Hey, good morning. Happy Sunday. I cannot tell you how excited I am to be with you guys. I, I love the river. I love the heart God has given you for your city and the way you express the love he has for you with each other. And I'm beyond fascinated with Charles and Caroline and, and inspired by the way in which they live out their faith in such a real and, and dedicated way. Charles is what I would call a sacred friend. His friendship for me personally has been uh, beyond a blessing. It's, it's been life-giving and challenging me to grow. He's been kind and generous with his time and I treasure our friendship. So I'm super excited to be here with you today. And it's maybe one of the gifts of pandemic that we've realized that we can do these things without giant travel. And although I'm, I need a trip to New York, it's been too long. But all of that to say, you guys are amazing. I'm so thankful that I get to be with you for a little bit. I'm Josh, by the way, Josh Harder, my wife. Danya and I have three amazing kids. We live in Houston, Texas. We've been here for the last three years after planting and pastoring a church in Mexico City for over 10 years. And so uh, here we are, and this is awesome. Before we jump in, I'm going to pray, and, and then we'll get into this stuff. So, Father, you're good, exceedingly good, and we thank you. We thank you for your word, which is alive and applicable to our lives today. And we thank you for the incredible sacrifice that is your son, Jesus, and how it is through his life and death and resurrection that your word takes its proper perspective in our lives. Holy Spirit, we recognize you're here. I recognize you're here with me now, and I know you're with those watching. We ask that you would speak to us. Bring us words of comfort or conviction where they're needed. And we ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So Charles and I have been talking about your series about agape love. And I found this definition of it that has challenged me in the last several weeks. And it's this. It's a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another another's highest good. I mean, that's, a, that's a big definition. A pure and willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. It's not based on emotions or feelings. It's a choice. And it's the love that the Father has extended to us and then revealed the heart of it through his son, Jesus. I think about in I think about just Jesus's life and attitude and heart for humanity expressed on his time in earth and what he's commanded us to do in his in, in our waiting for his return and his absence now is this it's this love that's willful that is sacrificial that is not based on how I feel it's a choice that I take all the time. And the more I've pondered that, the more I come back to the fact that 
that kind of love is impossible on my own. Like I just am not that willful or dedicated to it. I am too interested in myself and quite frankly, the world around me operates in a hierarchy that demands that I pursue in some ways something other than sacrificial love. We're always trying to figure out who we are behind and who we are in front and how we can get higher on the list. And whether we choose to do that through the, the, prove, the, the proving our economic prowess or in many cases, our superior morality, it's still the same. It's not, it's not love. And so I'm going, how do I live out this choice of agape love? And, and I'm taken back to two things that Jesus says. One that is said about him, sorry, and one that he says in, and one of those things is in Philippians 2, 5 through 7, where it says, Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and by becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself. It's, it's that word of humility. Okay starts to make sense. If it, in order to love others with an agape love that God has poured out on me, I need humility? As I wrestle with the word humility, I, I come to this definition, a working definition, that humility is the right-sizing of myself to the creator, to his creation, and to the kingdom of God. So essentially, for me, humility is aligning myself to the realities of an amazing, loving creator. Aligning myself to the realities of his creation, whether it be human or natural, his creation, and to the kingdom of God. Jesus sort of then expresses this in John, in John 13, 34 through 35. He, he expresses what humility lived out looks like. And he says it this way. I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, when you love one another. And I'm going, yeah. Here we go again. When I love others, when agape, when I'm willfully loving, when I am sacrificial and intentional and choosing love above emotions or feelings or my own rightness about a situation, I am showing that I belong to Jesus. And the only way I can do that is by right-sizing. Because there's no way I'm going to love an idiot. Unless I've right-sized as I think of this right-sizing and humility, I, I'm struck by the fact that insecurity and pride are really the, 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 the branches or the fruit of the same sin. And it's the sin of not right-sizing. It's a sin of a lack of humility. It's, the, it's this separation of reality from who I am in 
aligned to the creator, his creation and the kingdom. It's this thinking of myself lower than I should expressed in insecurity or higher than I should expressed in pride. And quite frankly, then agape love seems a lot more possible if I'm operating in humility, if I'm right-sized, if I'm understanding my place in relationship to the Father, the Creator, to God, to his creation, and to the kingdom. See, without humility, there's no faith. There's no love. There's no joy or strength demonstrated in our lives. Humility is the root of it all. The right-sizing is the root of it all. And a lack of humility could actually explain almost every defect we see in the Christian life. Almost everything we see in the Christian life, in the, in the church, in humanity that says they pursue Jesus, every defect in that can be reached, we can retrace the steps back to a lack of humility, a lack of right-sizing ourselves again, to the creator, creation, and the kingdom. So our response to this overwhelming, pure, willful, sacrificial love that desires another's highest good above their own, expressed by the Father through the person and work of his Son, Jesus, can only be measured by our everyday interactions with his creation, humans, men and women around us. It's fascinating for me how much of my life I have waited, wasted trying to produce a love that can only happen if I've dealt with where I stand aligned to the creator, his creation, and the kingdom. How much of work I've done trying on my own to do something that can only flow out of Humility. Understanding that this immense agape love that the creator has shown his creation through the person and work of his son, Jesus, can only be expressed from a place of humility. Jesus humbled himself. He right-sized himself for the call he had on his time on earth. And, and if we are to show others that love that points us, points to us as followers of Jesus, we must do the same. That if, if I'm not right-sized, I won't love. And if I can't love my my neighbor in the everyday tiny little minuscule the, the the milieu of my day. It points to the fact that I'm probably not right size. I'm probably not loving God in the way that I profess to. Humility towards others is the proof of our humility before God and. Love towards others is 
the proof of our love towards God. They, they cannot be divorced. We cannot walk in the right-sizing of ourselves to the creator, creation, and kingdom, and we can't love God and not love others. We don't get to divorce those two. The loving of others and the walking in humility towards others is a sign of our love for God and our walking in humility with him. It's something that doesn't happen. It's something that's actively pursued. I love what Mother Teresa says about this. She said, humility is, a, is the mother of all virtues, purity, charity, and obedience. It is being humble that our love becomes real, devoted, and ardent. If you are humble, nothing will touch you, neither praise nor disgrace, because you know what you are. If you are blamed, you will not be discouraged. If they call you a saint, you will not put yourself on a pedestal. You will be right-sized. You will know who you are in relation to the creator, to his creation, and the kingdom. See, in our daily lives as followers of Jesus, it's about the right-sizing of ourselves. Because if we don't do that, this is what happens. We are prone to be consumed by the sin of pride. To fight for recognition importance, position, our rightness. In doing so, we damage not only our relationship with God and others, but Jesus' reputation. We dirty his very name when we hold on to everything other than humility. When we lose the context we have in relationship to the creator, his creation, and the kingdom. And we can say what we want. And we can do like intellectual gymnastics and spiritual gymnastics to excuse our horrible behavior. And we can point to our moral uprightness and our general goodness. And we can redefine what love is. And we can say that when God says love others, he means Others, but not those others. We can do whatever we want. But the reality is, if we love the way he loves, it will be shown to the way in which we love others. And the only way we can do that is from a place of humility. Like I said, I, as Charles was talking to me about his thoughts on agape love, I it was a reminder for me of how simple the relationship between God, creator, and his creation really is, and what his desires have always been, which is intimacy, relationship, walking together. It, it's never been about what we can do for him. It's been about a willful, intentional, self-sacrificing, daily, hourly, minutely, every inch of our being, he chooses 
to love us. And expressed through his son, through the person and the work of Jesus, we see the same is expected of us. That if we have received the love of the Father and experienced it through the Son, Jesus, that we are not only invited, but expected to love others with that same love. It reminded me of a story, and I'll, I'll, I'll get out of your hair after this, but in Mexico City, I was had these opportunities to, to cross over into a lot of areas of life that might not have been available to me in other circumstances. I was able to spend time with people that weren't normally church people and have faith. And, and in one of those occasions, uh, we, were, we were exploring some of the work we were doing as a church through uh, El Pozo de Vida with, with human trafficking and prostitution in Mexico City and, and the work we were doing to sort of care for these women and, and then provide education throughout the country for younger people. And so we went sort of a tour to our clandestine ministry center in the red light district, district and the home for underage girls rescued out of human trafficking and the transition home for when they get older so that they can get an education and they can make paths for a life that's different than the one they could have expected. And we spent a whole day together and, and we talked about that the convictions that lead us to this work is the, the heart of God for the heart of the creator for his creation, the heart of Jesus for us and and the, his desperate love for, for these people. And we ended the day and I was waiting outside of the the safe house, and I was sort of struck by something, struck by the openness and humility from which this man spent the day with us, because I knew some of his story. And so I, I paused, and I looked at him, and I said, I, I need to thank you. He said, why do you need to thank me? And we just spent a whole day looking at all this stuff. Why? And I said, you didn't judge me. And he looked at me confused and I said, I said, you didn't judge me for being pastor. You didn't judge me for being an American in Mexico. You didn't judge me for various things. And I, I just want to thank you. And tears began to well up in his eyes. And he looked at me and he said, no, you know, I need to thank you. And I said, well, why? And he goes, you didn't judge me. And then he laid out all the descriptors of the things that people have labeled him with or he's labeled himself with, all the things that people might say disqualify him from love or the things that the, that, that the church or the followers of Jesus have ridiculed him for over the years, whether it be his Buddhist faith, or this, or this, or this, all of the litany of his horribleness. And he said, this is the first time I've ever had an interaction with somebody who says they're a Christian, where I haven't felt shamed, judged, and abused. 
what's heartbreaking for me in that is that that's not the love God has for him. It's not. But unfortunately, because his interactions were with followers of Jesus who are trying to love without humility, trying to love without right-sizing themselves to the creator, his creation, and the kingdom of God. He didn't know. He had never experienced the agape love of a desperate creator for his creation. My hope is, and my prayer for you, is that not only do you experience that love, but that you, in the face of a world that is more divided and angry and delusional than ever, that you as a community can continue to press in to the right-sizing of yourselves, to the creator, to his creation and the kingdom in a way that allows love to flow for those around you. It'll make a difference, not only in them, but in you. And even if you don't see the difference, it makes it a little bit easier for us to do what Jesus says, love your Love these guys. In the everyday, in the mess, regardless, love them. That's how people will know you're followers of me. I really love you guys and bless you as a community to continue to pursue the heart of God, not only for you, but for your city. Again, incredibly honored to be here. Grateful that you could have me. And so privileged call your pastors my friends. So if you'll indulge me, this is how I close out services and it's my prayer for you. May the living God, the creator of all the heavens and the earth, may he richly bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he smile on you and fill you with his peace. You have been and continue to be extravagantly loved by the Father. Go do the same. Thank you, guys. God bless.